Well, if you brought a Bible, go ahead and open it to Psalm 121. If you're using the Blue Pew Bible, that'll be on page 516. As you turn there, again, my name is Ryan Moore. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Uh, If you're visiting us this morning for the first or maybe third or fourth time, I don't know. But I haven't had a chance to meet you. I'd love love an opportunity to do that after the service uh, when we finish here. As you turn there, uh, a couple of things about where we are in 121, but also what we've been doing this summer. Uh, We've been doing a summer series on the Psalms, uh, having hearts open to God. We'll conclude that series next week um, as Darwin preaches from Psalm 119. And then we'll head into uh, the fall after Labor Day, looking at the lives of Elijah and Elisha, the prophets in the Old Testament. But this psalm, uh, for me, is, is a good conclusion for everything that I think that we've been saying about the psalms this summer. Uh, it is a pilgrim psalm. It is a, a, a journey psalm, if you will. And, and these psalms in particular, beginning with 120 and going to 134, have uh, a special name in, in the Psalter. They're called the Psalms of Ascent. And their purpose or their function uh, for Israel was three times... Throughout the year, there were these major festivals. There was the Passover, which we're very familiar with in Egypt. Uh, there was Pentecost or first fruits, and then the Day of Atonement. And th- those those festivals would be celebrated each year, three times, three festivals over the year. Okay, I'm gonna mess that math up. And the men would be um, would, would travel wherever they were to Jerusalem for those festivals every year. So at least three times a year, you are traveling to the temple city to participate in what these festivals were about and what they revealed, mostly the heart of God to his people through repentance and atonement and first fruits and provision, uh, the Passover, right? Uh, And so as we pick up here in 121, this would be the second one that they would read as they traveled along to Jerusalem. And I kind of want to take this psalm from that perspective of the traveler. And I want us to enter into it as travelers ourselves, um, as we head to our destination, which is really the whole point of this psalm to begin with, that our ultimate destination in life is God himself. So with that, let's draw our, our attention to the reading of God's word Found in Psalm 121, a song of ascent. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this day forth and forevermore. Let me pray for us and ask God to teach us his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this morning and we pray for a miracle. that By miracle that you would soften hardened hearts. Um, so that you would open our eyes and our ears, that we may see and hear things otherwise we could not, and that our hearts would receive the word as a seed, and that it would grow a fruit. We would leave here changed people. Would you do that in your kindness? We pray this in your son's name. Amen. 
Well, I'm going to be honest with you this morning as, uh, as I'm prepared to read this psalm, as I've even heard this psalm throughout my life. Uh, this psalm is everything that can make me cynical about the Bible, uh, about other Christians, cynical even about the church. I mean, just look at this thing for a second, will you? It's filled with overly optimistic statements, right? Feel good and possibly forced rhetoric. My help comes from the Lord. I guess if I say that enough, it'll be true. If there was such a thing as therapeutic deism, if it ever existed, if there was such a thing of that, this would be its life verse. How am I to take seriously a statement like, he will not let your foot slip or be moved? Is this implying that everything in my life is supposed to go well? You know that's not true, and I know that's not true. So how am I to understand this? And see, my cynicism continues to grow and grow and grow as I read. Have you ever found yourself thinking statements like this about the Bible? As you read, as you listen to other Christians, as you spend time around the church, especially when you're around others who, in comparison, because we like to compare, right? We think of ourselves in, in that way, and we compare ourselves to others, and we think, wow, if they only knew half of what's going on in my life right now, they'd wipe that smile right off their face. Have you ever found that inner dialogue going on in your minds at times, or am I the only one? Or maybe you even drove here this morning and you just felt like you were on autopilot, right? Sort of asking, where are we going? What are we doing? What is this all about in the first place? Well, as we seek to close our summer series on the Psalms, as I mentioned, next week we'll finish with 119. We've been appealing to our own hearts every week as the Psalms do. They shape us and form us and bring us into this other world that God Uh, has for us. But having hearts open to God has been the theme. And fitting for me, the psalm acts in one way as a summary of everything the psalms point to, which is being with God. That is the reality of the Psalter. That we will one day truly be in the presence of God himself. In my deepest moments of cynicism, though, towards the Christian life, When I struggle to read passages like Psalm 121 and think this isn't true, it's always because I have forgotten where I am going. It is always because I've forgotten my destination. And where the Christian Christian life is taking me and where the Christian life is taking you is to God. Those are the promises, or, or the promises of God are targeted towards that specific destination. And it's this destination that informs the journey along the way. And Psalm 121 is a beautiful reminder of this, or at least I want it to be a beautiful reminder for us this morning. This traveler is, in fact, going to God. He is going to Jerusalem, as we mentioned, to take part in three major festivals for that year. He is going to be celebrating God's faithfulness at the temple where God's presence resides. Where his presence literally resides. That is where he is going. And as simple as it sounds, it's easy to lose sight of that. So easy to lose sight of that. There's a reason God has built in three festivals along with others that people travel to every year, it's to remember what this is all about in the first place. I would even extend, there's a reason we meet weekly. 
And there's a lot of reasons for that. But the main reason is to remember where we were going in the first place. It is to be with him. And so one of my, my, my aim for you this morning is simply to pull back for a moment. To join me as we pull back for a moment from the busyness of our lives. And through Psalm 121 to remember again where it is that we are going and what our destination is. What this is about. That it is God himself. And it seems so simple. So simple, it's easy for me to want to overlook something like this because I'm sure, I'm sure you are thinking this all the time. But as I've really thought about this this week, in my own cynicism, I forget about the God who has called me and made me his own. And instead of him, my destination becomes my very circumstances in which I interpret all of his promises to me. It is my circumstances that are often the ones getting the last word on who God is, on who's God, on who uh, God's own heart, as he has revealed it to us in Jesus, truly is. And again, what the psalm does is it reminds the one journeying of where he or she is going in the first place. So as we consider having hearts open to God this morning, even cynical ones, there's an invitation there for those as well. Let's remember what the Psalms are doing for us, and more importantly, how they are reminding us of the one we are traveling towards. Begin with me in verse 1. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? Great question, right? Great question. Of course, as I read that, and as I've thought about that, and I've revealed to you my own cynical heart about it, um, what if I just lost my job? Or what if my, my friend is suffering through some type of illness? Or what if I'm experiencing uh, other just fill in the blank, right? Just life itself, that is enough. How am I supposed to answer this question? What is this question supposed to do for me at this point in time? So let's travel a bit in the shoes of this man who is setting off to Jerusalem for the annual festivals. As he sets off, as he leaves home, is it not possible as well that he is experiencing the pains of this world? Is it not possible that in that day and age, he is leaving a house with whom they have lost a child? Absolutely. Is it not possible that this is a season in their life where there has been great famine and he doesn't even know that by the time he gets to Jerusalem, if his family is going to make it? Yes, absolutely. This is possible. We could paint a number of scenarios that this person is in at the time of setting off on this journey to Jerusalem. And I'll be honest, when I first read this, I forgot that it's not the perfect traveler who wrote this for everyone to read. But it's God who wrote it for every traveler in every circumstance. Knowing full well our own circumstances and how they get the last word. And maybe the purpose at this point as we begin this psalm, the purpose of it is to remind this traveler of where he's going in the midst of such dark circumstances. Maybe God's kindness would be enough uh, so as to begin to shape, shape his heart, if you will, shape his mind and his life. Uh, that is competing against his own circumstances and what he has seen in front of him. So there, as he looked up at the mountains, as he began to set off, what did he see? I lift my eyes to the mountains, the verse says, where does my help come from? So this person sets off and immediately the psalm is directing him to think about protection, to think about who will keep or guard him. And that makes sense, right? When you take off on a journey or a trip, 
you often have traveling mercies prayed for over you. Maybe you ask the Lord to keep me on this trip, and that is exactly what is going on. Who is going to watch over me is the next question. Where does my help come from? And he looks at those mountains, and what does he see? And you can kind of vision this with him, especially as he possibly approaches Jerusalem itself. It's tucked away in the hills. There are two ways to think about this that I want to offer you. There's the positive way. As you look at the mountains, the mountains what? In their glory point up to God themselves. It is the mountains themselves that remind you of, of who created those mountains, right? Um, even in the geographical setting of Jerusalem, you're getting closer to God's presence. All kinds of things uh, that this traveler could be thinking as he looks at those hills and asks, where does this help come from? They come from the creator of those hills themselves. The one who created those mountains. It is where you are actually going. That, my friend, is where your help comes from. The second way to take this question is by contrast, what those mountains were often used for in those days. See, in, in these days, in these mountains near Jerusalem, much of Palestine was overrun with pagan religion and pagan worship uh, that the Bible refers to as taking place in the high places. We'll read about that here in a few weeks. And so the effect is, as I look to the mountains, is the worship of those gods, of those things, is that where my help comes from? And the psalm sort of teases this out for us in very subtle ways. One of those is, if I fear the heat of the sun, or maybe the mystical light of the moon, should I just go to the sun priest and pay for protection? That was a reality back then. Many thought the moonlight would actually make one go crazy if you were exposed to it long enough. This is where we get the word lunatic. But if you were concerned at that, you could just go pay the moon goddess and be free of it. This is how people live their lives. And you might even begin to enter into this travel for just a second. How tempting it might be to do that with everything else that is going on. To fall back into what seems reasonable. Or maybe demons are out to get you. And the slip of the foot is just another example that they are there, ready to take you down. And so all you need to do is get right with Baal. Is that where your help comes from? And we could ask this ourselves, right? We could turn the question in on ourselves. What things do we really go to in life to seek comfort, to seek help? Really, right? What do we really go to? <laughs> what do we fall back on? And I'm not going to go that direction because I'm going to set this up perfectly for tonight. That's a great question for small groups. For you to discuss the, tonight if you are interested in joining us for small groups tonight. But the help comes from the destination. It comes from God. And this is the des- how the destination, it informs our journey. My help comes from the Lord, the one who made those mountains, who made heaven and earth. The psalm shapes us. The psalm forces us even to say, my help comes from the one in whom I am journeying to be with, to see, to fellowship with. All the things that would go into such festivals in Jerusalem at that time. Because all of the Christian life, friends, is about going to God. We could peel back every single psalm that we've looked at this summer. We could look at all, all sermons that we've probably looked at the heart of those things, right? It's about being with him. It's about that destination. It's about knowing him and his heart. It's about enjoying him. Something we talk a lot about in, in, in this place. 
And the mountains are reminders of that for this traveler. This informs and shapes his journey. And the rest of the psalm, the rest of the psalm pours out of this reminder of this truth. That, that if this whole life is about going to God, if he is the destination, then he will keep you along the way. You'll notice that the word keep shows up about eight times in one of what, what I'm thankful for this morning, a very short psalm. But as you read that, right, as you read the Lord's promise to keep you, your question might be my question, how? How am I to understand that? And see, this is where my cynicism starts to kind of grow again. It starts to well back up. How is God going to keep me along the way as I travel to him? How is he going to protect me from harm? How am I to understand verses 7 and 8 in this psalm? The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. How? And one thing I want to offer you this morning is the key word here is evil. Evil. The Lord will keep you from all evil. Friends, I don't have to defend or convince you that the Bible promises to keep you from harm. Because you know that's not true. If you've lived any amount of time on this earth, right, you know that, that there, are, there are real consequences. There, are, there, there is tragedy in this place. The Bible never promises to keep us from harm. And the reality of that, what the, what the psalm is really doing for me at this point in time, what it's doing for you, is it's showing us that there's actually something uh, better that is promised. Something bigger Right? Than our own circumstances. And that is to be kept from evil. Not just what evil tends to do. Like, you know, maybe for some of you, you know. Well, if I were in Alabama, I'd say going to like an Auburn football game. But you kind of fill in the blank there. Like not that kind of evil, right? Like keeping us from evil. Um, getting inside of us. Keeping evil from changing our destination. That's what this is about. Jesus taught us to pray this, and we prayed this this morning for our covenant kids whose birthdays were in August. Let us not, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from what? From evil. Do we pay any mind to that? This journey promises that we will be guarded against evil getting inside of us and changing as we set our ultimate destination. This sounds like a sci-fi movie. I get it. But that's the bigger picture here. And that's a bigger picture that I need this morning. And that's what the Psalms do. They pull us into God's bigger story. Here's what I'm doing for you. And here's how I, I know what the consequences and the, and, and the circumstances of your life. I know how that's shaping you right now. But I'm draw, trying to draw you back to this bigger story. This better story that, that has you involved in it. And see, my cynicism grows because my story is so small. I don't know if that's the case for you or not this morning either. I only believe what I can see and even that I question. It's my lack of vision that says God protects against harm in this life only. And friends, that is a small story with a small, small destination. You might even say that's living for the moment, but it's not where we are going, is it? Where God will keep us and be our guardian is making sure that we get to him. 
for this traveler, it's the point of the festivals in the first place, as we have been saying it. Why is God asking Israel to celebrate the Passover every year? This is the Passover uh, that, that came to Israel uh, before, the, before the final uh, plague in Egypt when, when, when God freed them from Pharaoh. Is it to celebrate their rescue from Egypt only? Is that it? No, it can't be. It's to remind them of the reason for the rescue in the first place. Their ultimate destination to be with God. It's to remind them that he wants to be with them. Why is this traveler making two more journeys 50 days later, as, as, I've, been, as I've learned this week, to celebrate uh, Pentecost or first fruits and to celebrate the Day of Atonement? Is it just to celebrate God's provision for us on earth and his ability to forgive sins so that life will go well for you here? And as I say that, I have been overwhelmed by thinking about, as I melt, as my cynicism starts to melt, God protects you here. Don't hear what I'm not saying. He absolutely protects us here. More so, I'm sorry, I'm pointing a lot, by the way. I'm noticing that. But he protects us here. And it's easy to look over that amongst all that we've seen. But is the point of this, this travel uh, for them to go and, and, and celebrate and be aware of these festivals so that life will go well for them? No, it's about the destination. It's about God. It's about being with him. And it's in these festivals that the psalmist is traveling to. It is, it is these festivals themselves that are creating a pathway for Israel to be with God. And that would be so easy to miss. It'd be so easy to just, you know, throw up your hands. Then in all this, what God is doing is creating a way for him, for, for others to get to him. That is his heart. And once the New Testament arrives, we see that pathway to God so clearly, don't we? It's Jesus, the heart of God in flesh. We see it. We see the way that he has created for us to get to him. It is through atonement. Through Jesus Christ. He solidifies our destination. Our being with God. What does Jesus tell us in John 16, 35? In this world you will have trouble. There it is. In this world you will have trouble. No getting around that. But take heart, he says. Why? Because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. The Lord will keep you from all evil the psalmist telling us this is his promise and it's ours to remember along the way. What the psalms have been doing for us this summer and this one especially is they have been pushing us and pushing us into this other world. God's world where we are asked to look at the world and our circumstances the way that he looks at them. And this is some of the challenge of the psalms. This is some of the, you know, how I feel like I am kind of in two worlds. There's, there's some of my groanings going on here. But then there's also this, this faith promise that I hear often. And these people kind of you know, remembering God's promises. What's that all about? But we're asked to come into this world and to look at it through God's eyes, through his lens. And it's there that God's keeping of me and you as you travel. is a promise that he makes to himself atoned in the blood of Jesus on Calvary, that nothing will ever, ever be able to separate you from him. That nothing will ever be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I'm pretty sure Paul said that somewhere in Romans 8. That's how he will keep 
You're coming and you're going from this time forth and forevermore. This is what God intends for the traveler to have in mind. That as he leaves his home and his family, yes, there are prayers for traveling mercies this day for all the provisions that we need. But friends, your ultimate destination isn't Jerusalem. Your ultimate destination isn't just hiding out somewhere in Texas and making sure things go well for you. Your ultimate destination, not saying that's what you're doing, by the way, but your ultimate destination is to go to God. And I need to be reminded of that. And I'm inviting you to be reminded of that as well. God is trying to get us out of ourselves He's trying to give you glimpses of the story in the world that he inhabits, a story full of adventure and discovery and pains and sorrows, a story full of redemption and mercy, justice and grace. This story has it all. Why we love it. But from time to time, we're asked to flip to the end in order to remember what this journey is all about in the first place. It's being with him. So let me do that for you right now. Revelation 21, verses 1 to 3, and we even read a part of this, and um, I believe it was a song or a prayer that we did earlier. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. From the first heaven, and, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from, earth, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away, what? All tears. That's where we're going. What Jesus has come to do for you is to make that verse a reality. What he has come to do is guarantee that nothing will separate you from that happening. And what Jesus has come to do is to keep you. He is your guardian. He's your keeper from this time forth and forevermore. This is where you are going. This is where I'm going. Do not forget. And we need each other to remind us of this. You are going to God. And you can trust that he will keep you because you know and have seen his own heart. As he has revealed it in Jesus himself. That Jesus would lay his life down for us. I'm going to end here with this story that I have heard before. I don't know if you've heard it before. I don't even know if it's true. But it makes the point that I want you to leave here with. It's a story that a pastor uh, that, that I certainly look up to uses a lot. It's a story about this sailor in, in the 1700s. And his job was essentially just to uh, navigate the waters for people as they crossed the Atlantic. And he did this for a living. And um, he was getting to his last voyage had his fiance in tow, and he was heading for America. He's going to be done with this. And he was going to start a new life there with his new bride. And, of course, as they're heading across the Atlantic, as would most what would usually happen, uh, you would hit rough waters, but these waters were r- rougher than any others that he had seen. And so there's a moment of desperation as he sits there and decides and figure, tries to figure out what to do and how to, how to steer the ship. When his fiance comes in to the you know, cabin there, And in her panic and in her just, what are we going to do? And in her fears that this is the end, something strange happens. That I don't recommend this if you're married. Uh, The the captain drew a sword and he throws it right there at her chest. Points it right at her. Not in her, but just points it at her. Pins her against the wall. And she's looking at him and he's looking at her. And he asks her, are you afraid? 
Are you afraid of what I might do? And she looks and says, no. I might kill you if we survive this storm. And he says, well, why not? Why aren't you afraid? And she says, because I know the heart behind the hand. Or her words of putting it. I know the heart behind the hand. What is better than knowing where you are going? And we have said this before. What is better than knowing where you are going is who you are going to. Is who you are going to. Someone you can trust. John tells us if you have seen Jesus, you have seen God. And friends, if you've seen Jesus on the cross, then you have seen the heart of God himself. That is the heart behind the hand which we are traveling towards. You can trust that he will keep you then in your coming and your going from this day forth and forevermore. And may, be, may this be ours to remember as we travel. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Psalm 121. We thank you for all of the ways that you have created to show us who you are. Um, whether it's festivals in an ancient Near East uh, culture or it's the table that we're about to visit, you have given us signs and tastes that point to Jesus, that remind us of who it is that we are going to. And may we hold fast of, to that. May we grab hold of that as we leave here um, this day and take, a, take that with us into the week to come. Would you be glorified through that, we pray. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.